This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over the summer at Manchester United. How are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Wayne. Good. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. If you're watching the replay, feel free to say hello and comment. We do reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. Uh, you will have noticed from the introduction on the audio podcast that we're now part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. We are proud to be a part of that. Thanks to everyone for the support over the last few years in helping the podcast grow. Um, obviously, we'll have also noticed that Paul and I have been away for most of the summer, uh, replaced by the Complete History series with Paddy Barclay, which is now concluded on the video podcast at least. Like finished last week. Um, and if you're watching on the video podcast, you will have noticed another new addition to the screen. And that's Dave Murphy, who's joining us on Monday mornings from now on after his successful move back to Ireland. I don't know why it would have been unsuccessful, but um, I needed to add an adjective in there. How are you doing, Dave? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. <clears throat> not too bad. Spent 15 years in, in sunny California, and I thought it was about time. I spent 15 years in, in rainy Ireland. Um so I've only been back for <clears throat> five weeks now, and I've seen the sunshine once. So I think I'm I'm being very very lucky with that, you know. I I've, I've, I came here when the summer came, so about three weeks ago it was sunny. I uh, I built my new barbecue, and it's sat under the cover ever since. So yeah, it's all going it's all going really well. <laughs> going as expected. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so a few things, a lot of news, obviously, for us to cover this week on the pod. Um, there are a couple of big stories that we're not really going to talk about. The first is the Mason Greenwood story um, that is breaking over the media this morning, that, it, that there is expected to be a decision on the future of, of that uh, before the start of the season. And I think it's probably right if we talk about that when it happens rather than um, speculating about it. Um, also, the takeover news, which we, I mean, goodness gracious, that seemed to like we were hoping that it'd be concluded by the time that we recorded the last post- podcast of last season, and it's still going on now. Um, so hopefully that will be concluded at some point as well. But there's no point umming and ahhing. We, we everyone is on the same page of hoping for speedy resolution with that. 
But there is some news that um, involves hundreds of millions of pounds for Manchester United, and that is the renewal or agreement to extend this um, kit agreement with Adidas for another it's nine years or something, worth £900 million. Um, Paul, I'll start with you on this one. Um, I guess such things are over players' heads in terms of like what it actually <clears throat> for what they're wearing on the pitch and, and their training gear and stuff like that. But financially, considering that all this talk all summer has been about the club and FFP and how they're able to negotiate in the transfer market and really market value of the brand and everything like that, considering City's uh, place under the microscope, it's a significant piece of news, isn't it? For to, to clock in a kit deal that's nearly worth a billion pounds, you can say that he speaks volumes about United's stature and the fact that he can't be manufactured, I guess. But um, what, what did you make of it when you heard it? Obviously, we're, we're reacting in, in within the space of an hour of it being announced. I think we have to say there's one of the reasons, might be one of the reasons why still negotiations are taking so long because of the fact of United's worth now and United's worth in the future. And yeah. to be honest, you can't put a price on the, on Manchester United in the future, but you know it's going to be a big figure. And I suppose that might be quite scary for people who actually might be departing. They don't want to depart away from what Manchester United can bring in. That's That's the main strength of it. And we're talking about a Manchester United, a football club that hasn't really achieved their goal since 2013. <coughs> and, that's, and that's where they are now. So no club can match what Manchester United can achieve off the pitch. Other clubs can talk about it and make make things up, hide behind things and come out and say, this is what they're getting, but they're not really getting that the right way. United, no one can doubt it. It's, it's an actual fact that there's so many people who want to be a part of it, who who just get want to be among everything associated with Manchester United. That's why they'll always sell shirts. And from my eight years living in the Far East, I saw it. I saw it every single day, every single minute, the amount of football shirts when I travelled all over. And, you know, it's, people here don't really under, don't understand it. They You have to see it to believe it. And I lived in it and... It's incredible what the club has achieved and will achieve. Yeah, that Dave really is significant. The number we talk about United being sold for between five and six billion pounds, and the Glazer family wanting eight billion. Um, it's a sobering kind of reflection to say, like, this kit deal is worth. And we're not talking about, like Paul was saying a little bit mischievously, there inflated figures and and sort of being a bit inventive with how, how you can present that this is united's market value at a time when they're you know they're not the most successful team in the country so it does sort of speak to them but they're potentially in that regard scary numbers isn't it i mean for just the support looking at it you think all right th this means that we're going to be getting three kits every year <laughs> for the foreseeable future um but but in terms of the the revenue for the club it is, it is scary um, to, to look at that number yeah, but um, I mean, it it it, blo it also blows away the myth that you know Manchester United haven't won the Premier League in in ten years. Um, I, I do recall a, a, lots of conversations over the past ten years uh, from supporters saying that you know once once the money starts to dry up, the the Glazers will leave. Um, I was never under that impression ever. Um, Manchester United is a massive, massive brand. 
Um, as much as we don't want to call it that, it is. And um, Paul hit the nail on the head there. Anywhere you travel around the world, you'll find, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of United supporters in cities all over the world. Um, it's. It, it, I don't want to be the. Uh, uh, I don't want to be the, the bearer of bad news, but this nine hundred million may be, you know, an albatross around us as well because the Glazers might look at this and go, wait a minute. You know, this club is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and I know those rumours came out the weekend about now they're looking anywhere from seven to eight billion for the club. Coincidental that we just signed nearly a one billion deal with Adidas. Um, I, I do believe that the Glazers have no intention of selling at five to six billion at this moment in time. Uh, I, I do believe they went into this whole thing wanting to sell. But with... with with the way it's gone since then, with stock prices constantly jumping and then plateauing and then jumping again, they may have underestimated the value of Manchester United. And, and Adidas coming along and handling them nearly a billion pounds now, it, it's, it's, it's good news for the revenue of Manchester United, but I think it's bad news for the sale of the club. Yeah, I hope that makes sense because it just, it just shows them that the club is still so valuable, you know. And like I said, we you know we haven't been the most successful club in the past ten years. We haven't won the league in ten years. We, you know, we barely made a dent in in the Champions League when we when we when we qualified. But yet here we are. What other other than you know the Dallas Cowboys? What other club hasn't won a major title in in a decade but can still pull in that amount of money? Um, Manchester United is the only football club I believe that can. It's a billion. It's it's an absolutely phenomenal amount of money for a club that hasn't won a title in 10 years um, and it's a bit of a concern for me if I'm being honest it really is I think I think the Glazers may hold out now even longer it just makes no sense they they put the club up for sale last November and here we are in August and we still haven't I know we're uh, I know we're at times we're terrible in the transfer market and we drag our feet but this is ridiculous but Today is today is great for the revenue of Manchester United it shows us it shows the, the, the supporters that we're still you know the the most talked about and in my opinion the biggest football club in the world but it is a concern because it, it shows the glazers that the value of manchester united may not be at five or six billion yeah or, or if my if you want to want to be optimistic you could say from a potential buyer's point of view that if they enter at, at say seven they doesn't necessarily mean that they be massively ripped off because there's large yeah. potential in the future where where earlier they may have been apprehensive about entering into that. Um, well, I guess it's all part of the, the negotiation tactics, which obviously favour the current owners. And, and let, let's be frank about this. That doesn't mean 900, billion, 900 million even billion going into United's transfer coffers, you know, or anything like that. It's very strategic. It's over, over the course of the, the um, tenure, for one thing. And then the other thing is where all those various costs are, costs are going to go. Um, before we move on to talk about the players and the tour, Dave, on Adidas's kits, they have just released two. Um, a third one, a white one is due in late August. Um, what do you make of the, the green one that's been sort of force-fed to everyone for the last sort of 10 days? I mean, I'm probably one of the, the few that really likes it. I'm, I'm a big fan of... of... Um, uh, I'm a big fan of, of moving away from the cookie cutter jerseys that we had for so long with Nike. 
Um, Umbro brought out a couple of decent jerseys. Listen, we'll never get back to the days of the of, of the you know the eighties Adidas jerseys, which were you know out of this world. Um, we've gone in a different direction to try and um, you know it's a marketing thing. Um, they they want to get as many people as possible to buy the jersey, and I, I don't know who designs them. I don't know you know I know they link it to the club uh, in some uh, shape or form. Um, but I'm a I'm a big fan of all three, um, especially the white one, uh, the new one that's coming out. Uh, but yeah, the green one is uh, has caused a lot of controversy. It's, it was like the zebra one uh, a couple of years back, which you know I scoured the internet and eventually found one in a shop in Manchester. I love that one too. I'm I'm a big fan of of ones that take us away from the norm cookie cutter. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's it, while it's not my most favorite, you know, green jersey that United have had. I know we haven't had many down the years. But uh, I, I, in a, in a weird way, I kind of like it. I do. I, I like all three kits they brought out this year. I don't like the prices now. Let's be honest. No. Um, yeah. You know, 120 quid a pop. Uh, you know, I'll have to start getting my kids following GAA football instead of instead of instead of football. It'll be a lot cheaper for me. Uh, but yeah, I like them. I like them. No barbecues. No football. The move back island and going swimming. Why, there. why um, did I do it? <laughs> Paul, just a little bit on the launches. My favourite kit launch is the the gold one. Well, it wasn't really the launch. They, they, but for the gold, green and gold kit in '93, they did all the the photo shoots where you were all dressed up with the hats and the moustaches. I, I I don't know if it was a real moustache that you had on. I think going by the timing, it looks like a faker. Um, what what is it like? I mean, obviously the the time that was the era of a cup final song. Um, and all that sort of stuff. You don't really get that kind of stuff these days, but you do still get the player launches because obviously for this green one, it looks like they're all down at Mottramall shooting uh, some promotional images. Is it is it fun? Is it just one of those things that's part of the job when you go along to, to do the kit reveal? Yeah, it, it, well, it's, it's definitely part of the job and it's something that really only kind of was significant to me is when I went to United from when from my time at Fulham and QPR, it was kind of wham, bam, and that was it. This is a new kit. They'll, they'll choose maybe the the goalkeeper and the goal scorer, the centre forward, and maybe they deem the, the biggest markable player to, to put them on, and that was it. But United, it, was, it wasn't it was so much of, yes, individuals were involved maybe a bit more, but it, predominantly it was about the team. There was a team pitch, and you, you talk about that one, that, green and gold one and all of us got involved there was a team picture then there was the one with me the gaffer I think and Eric or Spark I don't know I've seen it a million times still can't remember it says four of us or three of us the thing that <laughs> I'll say this to myself I look at it you talk about the moustache I mean I was what 25 26 then I, I, it would have taken me about a year to grow a moustache then <laughs> But I'm just trying to think. I, I look at that shirt and I think from when the year they took it from, and I suddenly think to myself, I don't think there was a black player in the team. So if I look at it that way, that, that was a little bit, little bit strange. But then you know we was we're all moving forward, aren't we, in things, and we can't you know can't go back, or shouldn't be going back to what things were. But um, it was. I mean, it was enjoyable, and and it's, it's amazing now that picture with me with. I still can't remember. I think it's Eric and the um, gaffer um, ends up always coming out every so often. It ends up on Twitter somewhere. If someone puts it up there, it's a bit like me, Gary, me, Gary Palliser and Hayley McQueen. 
on that on that little bit, things keep coming round and round, and that green green and gold shirt always pops up. I mean, there's I wore I wore three great kits at United, and there was the um, League Cup final kit, the '92 League Cup final, the blue one, yeah. the blue and white, which is remembered a lot more, I think, for the um, the hybrid game and Lee Sharp. Yeah. Um, but the the black and the black and gold is one that will always maybe in my opinion, cause arguments with people what, you know, what has been United's best shirt. Not so much about the best selling, just the, the popular one, the one where everyone thought everyone could pull it on with a pair of jeans and thought they looked a million dollars. Yeah. So um I could talk about a bad one, but I'll leave that one alone. Cause I can't remember what it looked like because I couldn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, <laughs> um yeah, uh, let's talk about Sorry, Wayne, can I ask Paul a question about, about that um, that promotion um, uh, for the green and gold? I mean, most years it's just everyone pops on a jersey and stand in front of a camera. I mean, was there any of the players that were like, oh, my God, what are they getting us to do here? You know, putting on fake moustaches, old coats. Um, I mean, no, what I was the general have, feeling? I have to say, because it was something completely different, I definitely hadn't done anything like that. The players who had been at Manchester United a lot longer than me before then hadn't really done anything like that. So it was it was it was something new, something different. And then having the boss there as well being involved in it. Because generally you don't normally see managers involved in it at all. Yeah. And they, they asked the boss and typically he was always going to get involved, anything that was always going to help the club. And it was quite an in, enjoyable day. I think I can say it and I don't think it will ever come back and bite me, but I don't think I could I can't remember one player who had a whinge up about why are we doing this because virtually without actually being in black and white, such when you sign for Manchester United, you know that you're going to be pulled all over the place. You don't want to be doing that because you want all you want to do is play football. But you know that you're going to be pulled from pillar to post. And sometimes you don't need it, you don't want it. But when you get to once you leave Manchester United, or then even when you stop playing football, it's quite a good thing that it's, it's quite good that you've done all that because it means you're remembered. Yeah. And in certain ways, you still live. You still live your life, still being part of the football club. Yeah, no, I mean, other, sorry, Wayne. Other than the other than the, the dodgy pictures we see from the early eighties, where you know where the players are standing in front of photocopiers and printers the size of small cars, um, I think that green and gold one is probably the probably the one that pops up. As you said earlier on, I think that's the one that pops up the most. That you know, over the past 20, 30 years, so you know, it must have been great to be involved in that. So. Um, it's, it certainly was. I mean, but it, it has got a secondary reason why it pops up as well, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I liked it anyway, um, and maybe one day um, we'll see a revival of that of, of those colours. Um, let's talk about some serious football. Um, the three signings that we've signed made so far: Mason Mount, Andre Anana, and Rasmus Hoyland. Um, I, I must say, while I'm, I'm saying Hoyland, it reminds me of um, the fact that our good friend Dan, um, you and I both know Dave, is um, in hospital. Um, he's, he's not doing well at the moment. Um, so I'm not laughing. He's in tremendous pain. Um, and But he was watching the pod last night, one of the old pods, and I know he'll tune into this. So just passing on our best wishes. I'm only saying this because it reminded me he was asking how to pronounce him on, on Twitter. Um Hoyland is is not signed yet, but he's he's due to sign. 
Um, Mason Mount obviously has played a few games. Andre Nana played. He's played two. Played against Real Madrid, um, and so it's not been a very good start for him with five goals being conceded across the two games. Um, and the two against Madrid, he, people have sort of pointed the finger at him for Hoyland, a different kettle of fish in terms of he's a very dominant centre forward, albeit very raw. Mason Mount, I, I think the one thing that we can say about all three players is that they're all players that the manager wants. And when you're talking about the protraction of the, the takeover, maybe this has been a good thing for us in that United haven't been held to ransom with. Um, potential transfer bounties because they know that United are hampered by FFP. The negotiations seem to have been fairly straightforward in that they've set a price. The club of who they're buying from have set a price and they've gone in, haggled it down a little bit and got the player in each of these positions that we can't even contest Tenog wanted. He wanted these three players and he's got them. Paul, um, what do you make of them in terms of the, you know, obviously there are different profiles. Mount was the number one target for better or worse. You know, I don't think anyone else was in for him, but, you know, Tenog really wanted him. Once De Gea was going, it was obviously needed a goalkeeper. Maybe Anana was the best option out of there, but obviously he's known to Tenog as well. And Hoyland um, has been that number one target for the striker position from the start, regardless of how much everyone wants it to be Harry Kane. It has been Hoyland, maybe Harry Kane's the backup for if a takeover does happen or with the, this um, Adidas news that maybe there's a little bit more money in the kitty for that. But those are the three players that Ten Hag seem to want to want first and foremost and those are the three players that he's got before a ball's been kicked in the season. So would you say that's a, a successful summer's transfer activity? Um, you have to say it's a, it's a positive step like his last window was a positive step for Manchester United because previous to that, other windows and everything else that went on wasn't good, to be honest. I think we saw that. And United are always starting seasons on the back foot and then end up with a January signing. And, and that's all it was. It was a bit predictable. Um, I look at it and the Mount one, I'm willing to, you know, to maybe take some things back and hopefully can change my opinion. After watching him play so many times for Chelsea, I'm still, I'm still not really understanding what he is as a player. So I need so I need my, I need that one hit me back, and if it hits me back, I put my hands up to it. Um, the goalkeeper, yes, people moaned and moaned that David De Gea couldn't do this, couldn't do that. So now there's a vast majority now who have got what they wanted. They've got a goalkeeper who can, they say, pass the ball this and do that. I don't think the goalkeeper's going to win you that many games from his passing from the back. The most important thing he can do is do what David De Gea done and keep Manchester United in games. I mean, David De Gea, there was second to none at that, but because he couldn't do what the modern-day fan wants, then that, that put him under a lot of pressure. I think we have to say with a centre-forward, I mean, I'm, in, I'm involved with the company and I based in Denmark and so I, I asked about him and he just said he's technically a very, very good player. He said he's a very humble person. He sent me something, and um, a video of him. He'd done this interview after the game regarding his captain and what he said about it was was excellent. Um, the press was looking to hammer his captain and he said, he said things which were incredible. 
obviously the, it was changed for me. He, he changed it around for me so I could understand it in English. But he seems a well-spoken lad. He seems like he's got his head screwed on. And I think he's a, a, he could be a very good signing. Of course, the, the transfer fee doesn't help because it's Manchester United. Um, when you look at the, the signing of Sancho around that figure, then you look at Anthony, we know straight away the press are going to jump on it, maybe in after two games if he doesn't score two hat-tricks. Yeah. Um, that's the way it's going to be. But I think he's got a good chance, especially under the, the way the manager is. We know that the team need a centre-forward who is a centre-forward, not someone trying to be a centre-forward. Someone who can accept the ball, wants to accept the ball, wants to run in behind, rather than only running behind when the ball's been passed in behind. Um, so I think there's a... I think at the moment it's quite good. Is he going to make any more? I would like to think so. I hope so. If to, just to move up that, that next level, um, in my in my opinion, I just still think there's a little bit still maybe missing. But beggars can't be choosers at this time of United. We've still got the owners ownership issue going on, which the press are going to keep throwing in, hoping for reactions off of that. The usual questions will come up: Will it affect the players? Not at all. But they will keep throwing that one in to make issues about Manchester United to keep them in the news all the time. So it's a season, to, it's another season to watch. Last season was one. Um, he turned that around, the manager. This season he's starting now. He's under pressure now because of what he achieved yeah. last season. But that's Manchester United, as far as I'm concerned. You don't go and manage a club or play for the club unless you're willing to take on the responsibilities that go with it and take on the fact that. You have to achieve. And a lot of players realise that this season. What the club have done, they realise you have to achieve because they saw what went with it, the adulation and everything that went with it. Now this coming season is a tougher season because they achieved Champions League. They've achieved the league to win a League Cup. They got to an FA Cup final. People want more. Everything's lifted now. And the good thing about the manager, he understands it. He knows what it's all about being involved in Manchester United. So... A few more players again, again, to be under pressure. Can they carry on from what they've done previous? That's the bit. That's because that's what the football club's about, Wayne. Yeah, if if you look at the one thing, what I think from the signings that that Tenag has made, and this could go back to signing Anthony as well and Ericsson in in the previous window. Maybe not Casemiro is the exception to the rule, mm. but the other players for sure. Is that he's he's basically signed players with the profile that he wants. I mean, if you were looking at previous windows or previous managers, you might say Havertz would have been signed instead of Mount, Kane would have been signed instead of Hoyland, and, and Diogo Costa was the goalkeeper who was rumoured to sign um, instead of Anana. But it seems like Ten Hag has gone out and he's identified the players that he wants. And that thing um, that says to me is that the, the players have the temperament that he wants rather than um, the name. And I think the temperament in terms you mean of... The, you mean the, sh the shirt-selling kind of scenario? Exactly. Yeah. But but also, yeah. from, from a, a manager's perspective of the analysis of knowing that a player can handle the stage. So people would look at Anthony, they will look at his stats and say, well, he didn't have a massive contribution last season. Whereas if you watched him play, you knew that he was kind of doing what the manager wanted him to do. And yeah, all right, the output could have been greater, but he was finding his feet in English football in a team that is in a transitional moment with probably 
shifting responsibilities at right back because I don't know how many times you and I talked last season, Paul, where we were talking about who would play at right back and how that would affect Anthony's performance because of the combination play that you would have in there. So he was learning that as well. Um, but in, in the term, in terms of the three players that we Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Brought in, it brought in, it seems very much the case that Ten Augers looked to them and said, Mount can handle this stage and Arna can handle the stage and Hoyland can handle it as well. Um, obviously, there's a lot of media comparisons, Dave, a lot of them going with Haaland, you know, because of the similarities of the name and the fact that the, I mean, it is a lazy comparison, but there are other things like he, you know, he's a blonde Scandinavian, he's predominantly left footed. And if you watch his um, finishing, it, it reminds me a little bit. Um, I was talking elsewhere about this, it, it reminds me of there's a little bit of Davo Sucre about him in his finishing. He's, he's really good without any, any back lift. You imagine that he's creative with it, with the his ability to pull off different finishes. Yes, all right, there are some similarities with Holland, but only superficial because Holland's the best striker in the world in the best squad in the world it, people looking for that kind of result are going to be barking up the wrong tree but what, from what I've seen of him he can definitely add things that United are missing if he's got the confidence to do so and funnily enough to be fair to be fair to him he's got you know already he's walked in I think after one game, he's actually going to be the best centre forward they've had in quite a while because he actually is a centre forward yeah, that's the main thing. He's going to be somebody through the middle, somebody who's maybe who's going to help maybe Fernandez more because Fernandez has this way, and I've always, I've, I've always I've been critical of him, but one of his great strengths is he sees an area, an empty area, and he just puts the ball into it. Yeah, he just puts it in there, and what he's virtually saying is he sees that space himself. He's believing that someone's going to run into it. Yeah, and I think and I think he's got someone who he knows will do that. Someone who will make the run to make the pass. Yeah. While, while it, when you talk about Marcus Rashford, you have to make the pass for him to make the run. And that yeah. sometimes works, but the, that's not the way. Because I think again about defending is that I used to hate the most people who made runs. Even though I think myself it's a stupid run, he's going to run offside. Back in the day, there wasn't VAR. You could have had a linesman who'd been out drinking the night before or sat around, had a bad night with his baby falling asleep and straight away that person runs in behind and I haven't gone because I know he's, he's going to run offside but that's the confusion that someone who makes that run now and keeps doing it it forces teams back that then allows your creative players to play because they yeah. get more space because as we know of a certain defender at Manchester United 
he doesn't want people running behind him. So what does he do? He drops to the edge of his box. That allows teams to keep, get the ball, get good ball retention and cause yeah. problems. So yeah. he will make it. He will make a difference. So already for me, he's he's going to become that after one or two games. Something that United have have needed for a long, long time. Yeah. The next bit is though, can he go and take it to the next level? Because because we, we have to remember, I don't want to be judging people on just scoring goals. If it's about just scoring goals, then we can talk about Harry Kane. But Ten Hag doesn't want that kind of centre forward. He wants a centre forward that's going to give more than scoring goals. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, if you can get a goal scorer and have a little bit of Mark Hughes in them as well, I think you've got the perfect centre forward. He, he does look to me, again, it's about, like I described him on another podcast as a bit like an ugly duckling in that he's, he's got all the raw energy and all the raw qualities and he needs to harness them. And sometimes you, you don't know with a striker until they get on the platform if they can have the... And this is where I come back to the the praise for Tenorg in identifying this generally in his players, the temperament to be able to do that, you know, to be able to handle the stage. Dave, um, obviously we're talking about Hoyland, but and I, I guess you can talk about him first and foremost, but um, your thoughts on the summer transfers for, for United so far? Obviously Hoyland not confirmed at the time of us talking about this. Well, <clears throat> well I, think, I, I, I think the most pleasing aspect is that this this stat may be wrong, but it was on the internet, so it's probably true. Um, we've done all our transfer business in less than a month, uh, which, as we know, never happens at Manchester United. We drag it on, we drag it on, we drag it on, we drag it on. It would have been nice to have Hoyland in, in pre-season in, in America, but if we get him in in the next couple of days, there's still a good few, you know, there's two or three friendly, at least minimum two friendlies to go before the start of the season. Um, but I would like to start with a goalkeeper. Um, uh, I, I don't think a goalkeeper was our priority this season. I really don't. Um, Paul hit on it there about, about De Gea. Uh, for me, the best shot stopper in the world. Kept us in games, won us matches, saved us in matches. But the modern football demands that a, that a, that a goalkeeper, uh, which, I don't, which, you know, it's, it's the modern footballer demands that, that a goalkeeper play with his feet. Something Fabian Barthez was doing 15, 20 years ago, you know, and, and we all know how many heartaches we had when, when Fabian got the ball and came out of the box. I, I don't get, I honest, maybe I've lost touch with it, but I, I don't get the, the, the need or the, 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 the frenzy around a goalkeeper having to play with his feet. Um, more times are not mistakes are made. I just, I, I really don't get it. But that's, if that's the way modern football is, okay, I'll go with it. But I didn't think goalkeeper was a top priority. I think what went against David De Gea was he made a couple of big errors near the end of last season, especially in the cup final. Um, and I think that made Ten Hag's decision. If that hadn't happened, I don't think we would have bought a goalkeeper this year. I think we would have focused solely on a striker. Um, and, and to, you know, just to briefly talk about Mount, I'm appalled as well. I, I like Mason Mount. I think two or three years ago, he was absolutely a fantastic player. I think over the last year and a half, I'm not sure whether whether it's him or whether it was Chelsea, but I just, I don't, I don't know what his best position is right now, uh, Mason Mount. And uh, I just think, you know, the fact that he really wanted to come to United and Ten Hag kind of likes that type of player was the reason we pulled the trigger on that. Um, so it, I'm kind of, my opinion of Mason Mount is, I, I did like the signing, but I'm a little bit, I'm still a little bit unsure what his best position is, to be honest, and what it will be in Manchester United. Um, 
but under Hoyland, you know, Paul hit on a on, on a great thing there about, about Bruno Fernandez. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to mention a couple of players down the road from Manchester that that I equate this signing to. When Liverpool bought Stephen Gerrard's a fantastic footballer, we all know that. Um, but when when Suarez signed for Liverpool, um, Gerrard went up a different level. He really did. Those couple of seasons, he was absolutely phenomenal. He was putting balls in that that he was probably doing previous seasons, and no one was getting onto them. No one was running onto them. Suarez came to you know came to England you know from Ajax as, as kind of an unknown like Hoyland did. I see a lot of similarities here. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, he you know he tries things that that most players won't try. He sees as you said he sees those spaces um, that most players don't see, um, kind of like when Paul Scholes was doing that. Uh, but now we have an out and out striker. Now we have an out-and-out striker, and I'm very, very excited about all that. I really believe that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take Bruno's game to the next level. Um, I'm not overly concerned about Hoyland, to be honest. Um, Eric Ten Hag's every signing he's made for me has been a big thumbs up. So I'm I'm excited to see what this guy is gonna bring, and and I think Paul hit the nail on the head there. This is the type of player that Bruno Fernandez wanted. You know, he wanted a striker, an out-and-out striker. You know. Marcus Rashford has been used there. You know, that's what he grew up being. But even even himself in a recent interview, he said he prefers to be out left because he wants to be more involved. Uh, he gets impatient as a centre forward. He said, you know, you sometimes you don't touch the ball for 20 minutes. So if he's happy out on the left and we've got, you know, Hoyland through the middle and a good old fashioned left footer, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with I'm happy with that. And, and I, you know, yeah, it comes with a heavy price tag, but all Manchester United players do. Even if the price tag isn't big, the expectancy of signing for Manchester United and, and doing well, even if you're a free transfer, is is it can't be matched anywhere in the world. We're under the constant microscope. You know, our neighbours spend hundreds and hundreds of millions every year and nothing's ever said, nothing's ever questioned about it. Uh, the pressure isn't, you know, a fraction of what it, it is. To, and I've, you know, obviously I've never played for Manchester United, but I've supported them for 40 years and I know the expectation of Manchester United is completely different than any other club in the world um, but you know I have high hopes for the kid you know he got what nine goals last year in, in, in Italy it's not a it's not a fantastic return but it's not a terrible one is it uh, but the key thing here is we have a striker um, that that I believe is uh, is going to improve Bruno Fernandes' game so and, and the fact we've got it all done relatively quick uh, is a pleasing aspect as well. So I'm 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 really happy with our transfers. But Paul, on on that thought, you know, Hoyland, you know, he's he's around sixty million pounds straight up, and then there's bonuses on top. And everyone knows the key to him proving his value as a, a centre forward is scoring goals. And if he scores lots of goals, scores twenty to twenty five goals, people are going to say that's money well spent. Different kettle of fish for Mason Mount because, you, again, you might say numbers, but if he doesn't have the numbers, it's about the contribution that he brings to United's play. And I think United's play United supporters are more, like I say this, considering recent times, but generally United's match-going supporters or the more reasonable supporters online look beyond the numbers and they'll see a player's performance like Anthony last season. You say, all right, mm. we'll see what he's bringing. How difficult is that? And I'm talking from your perspective. As when you joined, it was about two million pound. Pallister had moved a couple of years earlier for two point three, so it's close to the top in terms of um, transfer fees for a defender. 
what are you looking to bring? Because you obviously can't bring the goal. I know you scored a couple of stunners in your time at United, but um, <laughs> sorry, I had to do that. Um, um, so, but apart from that, you're obviously you have to bring a certain, you know, you have to bring your strengths. How difficult is it to do that and not sort of get carried away by, you know, like obviously you're on a stage like Old Trafford, the temptation must be, I'm going to run like George Best and score a goal, even as a defender. I'm not saying that you expected to do that sort of thing, but play with a little bit of flair, play with a little bit of sort of like, um, you've got to play with your chest forward and play to attack. And that's very difficult in your, it was in your position as a really strong defensive player. What I'm trying to say is, when, when the expectation is so great and it, the best way to deliver it is in numbers and your position isn't really to do that, what what do you concentrate on doing? How do you get rid of that pressure? How do you deal with it? Well, did, um, at that given time, num- it wasn't about numbers. You were judged on 90 minutes of football. The crowd would judge you. The manager would 100% judge you. And teammates are the, are the best judges because at the end of the day, whatever they say, if you don't, if they say no, then you're not playing. The manager can say no, but the moment, moment a, a group of players walk up and say no to a player, that player's dumb. It's as simple as that. So when I arrived there, my strength was all about was about defending. There was no onus on me. Got to do this. Got to go forward. Got to do that. Anything, anything other than defending, it was an absolute bonus. There was there was pressure on me when I went United because the I put the pressure on myself. You know, as far as I was concerned, I was comfortable. Everything was going easy at QPR, and I couldn't. As far as I'm concerned, I couldn't make a mistake. And all of a sudden, you come into the the you know the big pond and you're dealing with 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 bigger fishes called sharks, and you had to and you had to play it a different way and I just went in a little bit a little bit more reserved and just had to try and feel my way into it into a different way of playing a different atmosphere and the fact of that if there wasn't anywhere near the amount of defending especially at home as what there was when I was at my previous clubs because teams were fearful especially when they come to Old Trafford definitely braver when they went when you played away from home and you allow them to score the first goal, then you've got a massive problem as a Manchester United player because it's beyond it's, it's another it's another game. It's beyond a cup final. Things just things just turn into a panic mode. It's you know it's the M25 at six o'clock on a Friday. It's it's madness what goes on. So for me, the thing about playing for a club like Manchester United, first and foremost, you have to have consistency. You can't be in and out. You have to have consistency in your game and you can't be fearful. And the moment you become that way, your time's up. And yeah. there's been a few there's been a few players over the time when they've gone and the fans would turn around and a lot of you know would turn around and just say a lot of the time is he couldn't dip the player couldn't deal with it. He could not deal with, with playing for Manchester United, a good player, but he couldn't deal with it. United very rarely sign bad players. It's just about the fact of those players get there and they can't deal with it. I think if we talk about modern times, I think we have to look at um, Van der Beek. Yeah. We look at him. I saw him playing previous season for Ajax, especially in their Champions League run that time to the semi-finals. You know, I saw him and and I just what a wonderful player he was. The way he linked up 
the way he linked up, all those players played so well together, those young players, comes to Manchester United, you're looking, you're getting a good player. He's had a great education in that academy at Ajax. Everything about him suggests that he's played at the biggest club in Holland as well. He, he'll understand that kind of pressure. But the moment he got to Old Trafford, it just didn't work out for him. We can talk about injuries, but how many mental injuries did he have? Yeah. And when I mean by mental injuries, that's the new word. That's the, they're the buzzwords now for maybe didn't want it, didn't feel up to it, had something in there that told him he had an injury, didn't want to play. How many, yeah. you know, how many... When, when did that happen to him? So it's very difficult. It is difficult to go to United, but it's it's definitely easy. I mean, for me, I arrived there. The club had just, just won the Cup Winners' Cup. Everything yeah. was up there. Now, a lot of the players who have come over the last few years have just come from somewhere where they were the big fish. They've walked into where they wanted to be, where they wanted all the adulation. The problem is they weren't walking into a club, that, a place that was in a team that was in a good place. They had... You know, a club that was struggling a bit, still getting over the grief of Sir Alex retiring, and then you had a, you had some bad apples in there who didn't really give you the, you know, the the welcoming that you maybe deserved or wanted because all they did was talk about negativity and making themselves better than what they, you know, they weren't the problem. It was the club, yeah. so it hasn't been easy over the years. So I'm hoping now that changes, Wayne, with players yeah. coming in and they're welcome in the club. Have, come back, they've qualified for the Champions League. More importantly, the manager's won his first trophy in his first season. For me, the club are on a high at this moment. And I'm going to mention it. We can talk about the pre-season. It's been a poor pre-season results-wise. Um, you have to say as well, the club have been you know players coming in while they've been away, the goalkeeper. The centre-forward hasn't had the opportunity. But this is the most important bit now, between now... And that first game is to get him, engineer him into a way that he can play because there's no time to say he needs resting, he needs time to get into English football. I'm sorry, got a centre forward. He has to start that first game, first yeah. game against Wolves. He has to start. There's no, none of that rubbish that people keep coming up with. He's got his bed his way in. It's a game of football. People talk about the league, the Premier League, the Circus League, whatever you want to call it. It's still, it's still if you're, you play football, you go in there and you yeah. engineer your way through it to become the player that you want to be at Manchester United. Yeah, we'll be back next week to talk to preview that uh, the Wolves game. Might be a shorter pod because of the fact we've rounded up so much of pre-season. Dave, I will just come to you to conclude the, the pod for this week and talk about the, the tour friendlies. I mean, the first the, the friendlies over here, um, the the one against I think it was Leon in Edinburgh. There was some good football in the first half um, against Arsenal. There was some really good football in the first half, and then it's yeah. sort of um, perhaps you can trace it to the injury of Kobe Menu, who was doing such an exceptional job in in the holding midfield role, which he's not really used to doing. But he, he was brilliant against Arsenal, and then he's got injured, and sort of that momentum has been derailed. And all right can lose the games against Madrid and, and Dortmund. It's, it's not really that big a deal. And against Dortmund, Dallow scored a great goal um, from the Paul Park round book, obviously. And um, Anthony scored um, a decent, the kind of goal that he scores as well. Um, so sh shaking off a little bit of that uh, ring rust that he had. Uh, what do you make of the, the tour? It's, it has been a little bit flat, but, you know, it's one of those sort of, 
I always am a little bit reticent when saying, oh, pre-seasons don't matter because we have seen a few stinker pre-seasons where they've carried that sort of form and attitude into the first few league games. It can be a bit difficult to shake off. So I guess maybe it's for the better that we've got a couple of home friendlies before we kick off the season. Uh, what, what do you make of what's going on in America? I mean, I mean, if you look back over over the you know the past three, four, five years, we we've gone come come through preseasons winning every single game, and then our, 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 you know we go into the season and we're completely flat. Uh, I don't, I don't, I really don't buy into results in preseason if I'm honest, because like I said, we've had some really really good ones. Um, where we won every game and we played really well. And then, you know, we start our first league game and we're very lethargic and it just doesn't look like the players have, have really switched on yet. Um, so I, I do want to ask Paul a question about preseason at the end of this, but I, I just, I don't buy into preseason at all other than them players just, you know, getting back together after being off for a few weeks. Uh, sometimes some of them coming back from tournaments. It, it's just, for me, it's just all about getting the team back together Getting the fitness going um, and just you know training on it on a daily basis in a in a in a in a don't take this wrong way and I know you live in the Manchester area in a nicer environment weather wise you know and and the players can relax a little bit more and and they, they'll get to do a lot of you know there's no outside noise and they're there on their own um you know no family no nothing it's just it's just them you know I won't say a lads you know month away or three weeks away but i, I gotta believe it's very different in pre-season for to get to get the you know to get the atmosphere going i've, I've never bought into the fact that pre-season will will dictate how your how your seasons even starts let alone goes um and that's what i like to you know I, I, like i said pre-season doesn't really bother me in regard to results yeah the arsenal game was a decent game but the other games weren't that great I think we've played a lot of games in pre-season. I really do. And then we've got a lot to, to go. And we've bounced around a lot. Um, but, you know, so again, pre-season to me, results don't really reflect, I believe, how the season goes. Because we've had great ones and then terrible seasons. We've had okay pre-seasons and fairly good seasons. So, I mean, Paul, um, I, I made a couple of comments there about, you know, the, the players getting together and just after being away for a few weeks and, you know, everybody's seen each other and, I mean, what what did you guys used to take out of preseason? Um, I know there's there's the old cliche, it's, ah, it's only to get fitness, um, but is it is it is it really really important to get everyone together like that to you know before the start of the season? I mean, what's the pluses that a player sees out of preseason? Other than sometimes you get to go to nice places, you know, and get to see really amazing cities and and uh, and stuff like that. I mean, what do you as a player? What did you get out of preseason? I think if I talk about as a, as a United player. The one thing is, you, whenever you went into it, was you didn't want to get beat. That's the last thing you wanted. You just didn't want to get beat because there's no excuse for it, really. The boss was that way as well. He didn't want to, he didn't want to get beat during pre-season. He took pre-season on the fact of he wanted to see some kind of performance because um, he was performance orientated, um, but he still wanted a result out of it in certain ways. But if you'd performed and you was up against you know, some you know, quality opposition, then he, yeah. then he would in his way accept it. He would accept being beaten by, you know, by by the better team. But it was about the individuals and about more more the collective performance that mattered. But I look at pre-season now and you know, I just look at it and I, I feel sorry for the players of today in certain ways. I don't often say that, 
but straight away they're put under scrutiny from the first minute. They're going to these tournaments now, and they're all televised. They're all big occasions, all all over the all over the world. You know, some have been in Australia, some have been in in um, in Asia, some have been in in America, and you're playing against each other. I mean, I saw Aston Villa playing against Brentford and Chelsea playing against Fulham. You would that would never have happened when I was playing. There was once when we played Arsenal in South Africa in '93. Once that happened during my time, but if yeah, you're going to play anybody, if you're going to play anybody of a level, you'd normally go and play someone from overseas. You bring in someone maybe from on that way, you know. But now it seems that you've got to play in this competition because of the monies that go with it. So virtually a pre-season's paid for, and you think to yourself, do you really have to do it? There used to be time when you just play lesser teams just to get you running about and just to maybe to give the team, the team you're playing against, a little bit of revenue as well. It seems like it's lost that little bit of an edge now. Pre-season is too serious. Too many people now going, oh, they've been beaten. I mean, the people talk about United, oh, the Real Madrid game and, and you know, the ones that they've lost because they've lost three in the bounce now. And they'll talk about, you know, I've seen already, I mean, I've got a bit on hold there. I wanna, I'm want i going to see, I look at the goals from that game in a minute. So, it's, it's, it's too much, and I think it's too much pressure on the players. The moment, I guarantee there'll be pundits and there'll be co-commentators. If a player or a team don't start well, they'll start talking about their pre-season. Yeah. They yeah. definitely will. Now, I'm going to make sure that when I do United game, when they play Wolves that evening, that Monday night, I will not mention pre-season. If the commentator mentions it, I would just blank him and I would go on down another line because that's irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant. They will talk about it. If United go 1-0 down, they'll bring it up. Yeah. If United don't go, if United go 1-0 up, pre-season won't even get a mention. Trust yeah. me, they won't won't do it. It's, I, I don't understand it. It's, a, it's another newfangled thing that pre-season now has virtually become, I mean, I, I mean I've just seen it as well. <laughs> I don't know who it was because I glanced up. There was a team, they had a trophy celebration on the pitch in the pre-season, you know, and I'm kind of thinking, and I'm, there, there you are. That's, that's what it's come to because there's sponsors and you've got to give them something back. I understand that, but the players don't need the ridiculing because, you know, straight away, we've seen it already with Tottenham won something and all of a sudden they're celebrating, the fans are on the back of them. You know, the players don't, the players of today don't need it. They don't, you don't, you know, it's, it's you know, you they're constantly constantly being people just getting at them all the time because of the finances and everything else. So they're under they just don't need it before a ball's even been kicked properly. Yeah. Yeah. What points? Very good summary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we will be back next week to really stick the knife into the conclusion of the preseason. These are, is it the conclusion or that there might be another friendly after that um before before the Wolves game. But we either way we'll be back and hopefully there will be another transfer to talk about and some activity over the other stuff that we mentioned at the top of the show that we're not really able to talk about at the moment. Hope you've enjoyed the first podcast of the new season. Thanks to Paul as always for for joining for a new campaign and thanks to Dave for um, becoming our, our new transfer signing. Hopefully, he can 
deal with the, the platform and show the right temperament throughout the campaign, to, uh, which, is, which is never a given with Dave Murphy, I can say that for sure. Uh, but we'll be back next week. If you've enjoyed the show, um, please give us a rating or review on the podcast platform you're listening on. And if you've enjoyed watching us on the, on the video platform on, on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and, and like on the channel as well. Um, we'll be back next week, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And take care. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.